Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The impact and losses to agriculture in the Rio Grande Valley from the Texas winter storm continue to mount. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. It's almost deadline time for decisions to be finalized on crop insurance. And the word I'm getting is this year is not the year for farmers to automatically go with the same coverage they always get. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Planting plans and decisions take center stage as spring draws closer. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story from the rolling plane. We'll have those stories, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Animal Health Commission has a list of resources for Texas livestock and poultry producers affected by last week's snow, ice, and sub-freezing temperatures. Jessica Domel has more. The commission urges Texans who find stray livestock or downed fences to contact the local sheriff's department so they can locate the owner of the property or livestock. Livestock owners who have found animals with frostbite, fatigue, or lesions are encouraged to contact their local veterinarian. If some of your livestock die during the storm, document that loss. Then check out TAHC's page on proper disposal of animals on private property. Deceased animals found on public property should be reported to the County Emergency Operations Center, or EOC. A list of those centers, along with a link to the page on proper carcass disposal, is available on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Recovery efforts are underway all across Texas as cattle producers thaw out and try to assess the damage. Neil Woodward is a cattle and sheep producer in Pecos County near Fort Stockton. He says he was in the middle of calving when the storm hit last week. You know, those cows are a lot tougher than we think. I've got kinfolk in Montana, and they go through this not every year, but more years than not. And it just amazes me what these cattle can put up with. But it's got to stress them, especially we don't have the forage that we need. It was a hard year last year. Woodward says he had plenty of hay stored ahead of the storm, but it was a constant challenge to get it moved to where cattle could eat it. Last week's Arctic weather took a big toll on crops in the Rio Grande Valley. Tom Nicoletti reports. My guest from the Texas Rio Grande Valley today is uh, Jim Hearn, who is reporting for us on the damage and the losses uh, sustained from the very, very cold temperatures and uh, freezing rain that occurred uh, last week uh, across the state of Texas and, of course, dipping all the way down to the southernmost region of the state. Jim, what have you learned and seen? Yeah, these are the coldest temperatures that we've seen in over 30 years, dating back to the 1989 freeze. 
We did hit a low of 21 degrees in over a three- to four-day period. We probably had 30-plus hours below freezing and 10 to 16 hours below that critical 28 degrees. Row crops that had been planted, well, they'll have to be replanted. Soil temperatures dropping into the upper 40s, and it's going to take some time for those soils to warm back up so we can get back into the field to start planting again. Well, citrus is uh, always a big concern, and it's still being evaluated, but there's a lot of dead tissue out there hanging on the trees, and, well, it means that the wood underneath those dead leaves is probably dead as well. Now, we had about 50% of the grapefruit crop left in about 80% of our Valencia orange crop left in the field, and that's going to be multi-million dollar losses for the Valley citrus industry. Now, will we have a crop in 2021-2022, a commercial crop? Right now, very doubtful. Blooms of lemons and limes are black. New growth is burned up. Hedgers will be rolling in the valley very shortly to find out you know, how much we're going to have to trim back these trees, but it could be as much as 18 inches. Onions are also going to be affected. The most mature crops were harvested, but uh, a lot was still left out in the field. That damage, well, we'll just have to take a look down the road to see how much damage there's done. But we know there'll be a marketing gap. I mean, the Mexican growers were also affected as well as valley growers, and that's definitely going to mean marketing shortages. Electricity to packing sheds was shut down, so fruit and other vegetables were not packed. And because of the icy roads, truck traffic heading into the valley was basically halted. Sugarcane stalks were split. Uh, we're returning to warmer days now. The sugar will start to dry up and decrease, and uh, several thousand acres remain to be harvested of this year's sugarcane crop. No doubt it's going to cost growers millions of dollars in lost revenue. That report from Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's almost deadline time for decisions to be made on crop insurance. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. For all you farmers out there, it's time to determine just what you're going to do regarding crop insurance for your 2021 spring-planted crops. Here's some advice from Rachel Myers with Myers Crop Insurance in Claude. March 15th is your deadline to make any changes you want to your crop insurance policy. Take the time to go sit down with your agent and go through all of your options. You know, don't do the normal, hey, I've been at 65%, I'm just going to stay there because I'm comfortable. This is not the year to do that. We've got a lot of volatility going on in the process right now, and so we are seeing pretty large runs in premium costs. And so I just advise everybody, you spend a lot of time with your banker and your CPA and all your other advisors and your crop consultants. Your crop insurance agent should be another one of those people that you pencil out an hour or two to go sit down with them and look at every option you could possibly have. Certainly can't overemphasize the importance of making good decisions on crop insurance, especially coming out of a year like we had last year with a lot of crop losses in the Texas High Plains due to drought and hail and other weather hardships. And Meyer says there are some new crop insurance products to consider. They are all basically stackable area coverage. So if you've got your traditional, let's say, 70% multi-parallel coverage on cotton, you can then stack some supplemental coverages on top of that if you feel like you do not have enough insurance coverage. But Myers advises producers to understand that there is some give and take with these products as they are designed to provide area-wide coverage, which means... They do not protect you when you've had your individual loss on your farm. It's more of a county-wide or area-wide loss that has to come into play, which no doubt we suffered this last year, so some of those are probably going to pay extremely well. 
I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Planting plans and decisions draw closer as many Texas farmers prepare to put seed in the ground. Barry Mahler has more from the Rolling Plains. Well, it's seed meeting time here on the Rolling Plains and, of course, in other parts of Texas also, I'm sure. You know, seed meetings are when the seed companies for various spring-planted crops gather farmers together and talk about what's new and what's available. Now, these meetings usually include a good meal and some nice door prizes. I kind of think that's what causes a lot of us to take a little longer to make our minds up. But still, that's going on right now. They're a good chance to visit with neighbors and hear their experiences with various crops. You know, one of the good things this year is a market that's more favorable for several crops than we've seen in a while. Looking at corn, grain sorghum, and cotton, we're seeing corn in the five and a quarter of bushel range, Milo over $6 per hundred, cotton bringing near 80 cents a pound for good quality. We've not seen those prices in a while, and it gives the producer several options. Some of the comments I've heard lately is that there is more interest in grain sorghum for several reasons. Of course, the price is one, and also the relatively low input cost of planting and the ability to get it in before cotton to spread the workload out. You know, Milo will emerge from cooler ground and can be planted much earlier, and that allows a farmer to get it in and up and growing before thinking about planting cotton. It makes it a lot easier not to have to get over several thousand acres in just a few days' time. Sorghum also is a good rotation as it adds good residue to the ground, which is becoming more and more valuable to no-till operators. And it's somewhat of a dual-use crop as the residue can be grazed by livestock. Cotton's still a good choice. We can see acres trending up. The seed technology is helping yields improve in our dry land production. Weed control is getting simpler. And, of course, the price, much more appealing right now. Another discussion I'm hearing is taking a look at possible crop insurance coverage as there are several long-term weather forecasts right now that predict a possible tough summer due to the La Nina formation that's in place overhead. All in all, many things will have to be weighed before the planters run in spring, but it's nice to have several options that are showing promise right now. This is Barry Mahler reporting from the Rolling Plains for Texas Ag Today. Leadership of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association say moderates will control the power in Washington, D.C. over the next few years. The comments came as part of the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention winter reboot on Tuesday. Democrats control the House, Senate, and the White House, along with new leadership overseeing the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. However, NCBA Government Affairs Vice President Ethan Lane says moderate voices will actually be in control. Despite what you see in the newspaper, despite what you hear on cable news or on your favorite blog, the real power is concentrated right now in Washington amongst the moderates. There is just no debate about that. They are going to control what happens over the next couple years here in Washington, D.C. Lane says Democrats, such as those in the Blue Dog Coalition, have a stronger voice in Congress now. A few years ago, the comment was that the blue dogs are no longer with us. The blue dogs are dead. But you'll remember back to the first couple days of this new Congress, the Democratic caucus meeting in the House erupted in moderate Democrats saying, you have got to provide us the ability to have some moderate conversations, to have a voice that doesn't support the Green New Deal and things like that, because my districts just won't tolerate them. And Lane says that rings true for agriculture, which is a bipartisan industry with no place for partisan warfare. 
We're going to have to help them understand where they can be helpful to us. And we're going to have to probably push them a little bit every once in a while to buck the party when the Democratic leadership is feeling like they need to placate their own wing of their party. And and quite frankly, we're going to have to push back on Republican leadership when we see the Freedom Caucus doing the same thing on our side. I mean, I've seen as many losses dealt to the cattle industry on Capitol Hill at the hands of the Freedom Caucus as I have Democrats. And that's not a new thing. The extremes of either party don't really help American agriculture. It's the middle where those issues come together. And that's where we're going to have to focus in the next few years. In CBA's Ethan Lane. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is gearing up for the biggest, longest, and wildest birdwatching tournament in the U.S. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a spring calving cow herd, now is the time to get a breeding soundness exam on your bulls. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm Arthur Jonasson, National FFA Southern Region Vice President from the state of Florida. Many special and safe activities are happening in FFA communities this week, but all year long FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, if you have a spring calving cow herd, you have a lot on your mind following last week. But you need to keep in mind that it's time to get a breeding soundness exam on your bulls. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Many ranchers feel that if their beef bulls were fertile last year, they should be fertile this year. And a breeding soundness exam is unnecessary. However, the Society of Theriol Genealogy, which are reproductive specialists, indicate their data shows that one out of every five bulls fails a breeding soundness exam and usually fail because of sperm morphology. Bovine Vet Online indicates these are sperm that are formed incorrectly and will not lead to a pregnancy. So even though the bull may have a normal sperm count, if the sperm are not formed correctly, then the bull will not be a successful breeder. This is the reason that a vet cannot just look at a slide and the number of sperm and determine the bull is fertile, because a closer exam of the sperm is required, and this is not a simple process. For a bull to pass a breeding soundness exam, the sperm should be 70% morphologically normal, and 30% must be progressively modal, meaning they are swimming forward in a somewhat straight line. Also, your vet should look at a stained sample of the sperm on the microscope to determine the morphology. I would recommend that you check with your vet and make sure they are using a form from the Society for Theriogenology that lists all the parameters that should be checked to determine if a bull is a satisfactory breeder. It does require a good microscope to see some of these abnormalities. Also, make sure your vet examines the entire bull because if he has foot problems, for instance, or rear leg problems and cannot mount a cow, then a good sperm count and sperm morphology does not really matter. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is gearing up for the biggest, longest, and wildest bird-watching tournament in the U.S. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. Registration is now underway for the 25th annual Great Texas Birding Classic. It is one of the biggest, longest, and some say the wildest bird-watching tournament in the United States. 
The tournament will be held April 15th through May 15th, and your birding team can choose a day to participate. Full and half days are available. Due to the pandemic, this year's birding classic will follow the same pandemic-friendly rules that were used in the fall birding classic. The good news is that teams can be quarantining together or may be scattered across a region or the state. The event is open to novice birders, experts, and anyone in between. There are several categories to choose from based on ability and region. The deadline to register is April 1st. Details are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply search Great Texas Birding Classic. On that page, there will be a link that says how to participate, and that's where you can register. Again, that's on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. And speaking of the Birding Classic, the fall event brought in a record 138 teams with a total of 650 participants across Texas. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the money raised through those registrations and sponsors of the tournament funded $34,000 in conservation grants. Over the past 24 years, the Birding Classic has raised more than a million dollars in on-the-ground habitat acquisition, restoration, and enhancement projects. A list of the projects that were funded through the Birding Classic is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Again, the deadline to register for the upcoming tournament is April 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded lower all day long on Tuesday, but the cotton market was on both sides of unchanged. We'll take a look back at how the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets wrapped it up on Tuesday. That's coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This week is National FFA Week. February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country are celebrating and sharing the FFA story. I'm David Lopez, National Western Region Vice President from the state of California. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on our members. It's a top school-based youth leadership organization and cultivates and nurtures future leaders who will change how the world grows. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market continues to close lower this week. A lower close in both live and feeder cattle on Tuesday. February live cattle dropped 10 cents, 115.62. The April down $1.85 at 121.20. June live cattle down $1.12. 119.12. Feeder cattle lower March down 75 cents, 138.57. April down 67 at 142.60. May feeder cattle down 97 cents, 145.10. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales reported. Feedlots are asking 116 this week, but no bids reported from the Packers. Boxed beef was higher. Choice up 65 cents at 240.63. Select up a dollar ten two thirty one oh eight. Now let's check the auction barns. Larry Marbles walk in the pens. It's time to talk to Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham. They sell every Friday. My kinfolk J.R. Gully is on the line with Doug for me. 
JR. We're on the line now with Doug Bass of Cattleman's Brenham Livestock Auction. Doug, you did have a little sale last week despite the weather. Yes, sir. We sure did, JR. We had some cattle earlier in the week, so we kind of forced to have the sale, and, and we ended up 476 head of cattle last Friday in that old terrible rain and, and snow and everything else. And, and you know, had a decent market what went on. On your weigh-in cows, your thinner, lower-yielding cows bring from 30 to 47. Your better cows bring from 58 to 69. Uh, your bulls, your lower-yielding bulls bring from 62 to 78. Better high-yielding bulls bring from 82 to 96. Uh, we had a few pairs there. Your pairs bring anywhere from 800 to 1250. Red cows bring anywhere from 550 to 1100. Calf market was, I'll call it steady week before. We didn't have many players. A lot of folks rose up. One to two-way roping kids. Steers bring 142 to 180. We didn't have any heifers. Two to three-weight steers bring 150, 187. Heifers bring 125, 140. Three to four-weight steers bring 145 to 155. Heifers bring 118 to 125. Four to five-weight steers bring 120 to 147. Heifers bring 90 to 190. Five to six-weight steers bring a dollar ten to a dollar forty. Heifers bring 98, 195. Six to seven-weight steers bring a dollar to a dollar thirty. Heifers bring 90 to 112. Seven to eight-weight steers and bullioners bring a dollar to a dollar thirteen. Heifers bring 78 to 104. And 800 to a thousand-pound steers and bullioners bring 90 to 106. Neighbor, that's it for walking the pens. Y'all tell old JR how good a job he did. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble reporting. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs closing higher on Tuesday. April up a dollar thirty, eighty-six forty-two. May hogs up a dollar eighty-eight eighty-five. Class three milk was mixed. March milk down twenty-nine cents, sixteen oh seven a hundred weight. Well, the cotton market seems to be extremely overbought right now, but that doesn't stop prices from continuing to climb. We had another higher close. March cotton up 46 points to close at 91.37. May cotton up 26 at 92.67. New crop December cotton up 16 points, 86.75. The wheat market was mostly lower, pulling back a bit from that big run-up we had on Monday. July Kansas City wheat down 3.5, 6.51 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down a quarter penny, 656 and three quarters. The corn market continues to be locked in a sideways pattern, not a whole lot of movement. March corn up two and three quarters, 553 and three quarters. September corn down three quarters, 489 and three quarters. December corn unchanged at 469 and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas down six at 288. April crude oil up 23 cents. 61.93 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 90 points, 31,611. The Nasdaq down 57, 13,479. The S&P 500 up 11, 3,888. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. I sure hope you're recovering well from last week. Of course, our hearts go out to you as you clean up from all that damage caused by the winter storm. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.